Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. All right, Talk and Power podcast, episode 112. We're scooting right along. I'm joined by Todd Brinkworth, our co-host. We've got a special guest in the studio with us for this podcast, Phil Morley. Phil, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on board. Um, I know you're the, the director or... Uh, coordinator, series coordinator. coordinator. Yep, for the WA Speed Event Series. We'll get stuck into that a bit shortly, but yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Jeez, um, I've been around motorsport in WA since I was about 16, 17. Uh, started out in uh, All Fours and Rotaries uh, Car Club. That's where I met Todd. That's right, I forgot. <laughs> so that's, that, that's going back to 97, 98. Yeah, a long time ago. Wow. So that, that's that's where we all got started and where we met and yep. where, we, where we played around with road cars and things like that and then basically just progressed from there. Got into, played with the uh, first car was a GTI Suzuki Swift. And progressed S14, 200SX, WRXs, all the rest of it, and then realised that road cars are limiting, yeah. um, licences and stuff are necessary for work, and then um, started playing with escorts and gravel rallies and things like that, and just progressed into then tarmac motorsport. Yeah, okay. Some some time ago, when I remember, oh, look, I wasn't in that scene. I wasn't hanging out in that <laughs> yeah. scene, but that's that's quite a few years ago. Tell us a bit about those years, actually, even hanging out with this guy, Todd. Oh, yeah, I, I said, I've probably forgotten. There you go. I remember going, like, like, like out Mount on your hill climb and stuff like that back in the day. Yeah, and... the, oh, shit, the first um, <laughs> the things we used to do were, like, I remember we used to meet at the Cam's club rooms in Joondana when there was probably 15, 20 years in the car club and... It was your normal car club cruises on a Thursday night kind of thing, and that's that's where they were. Yeah. And then the club grew to the point where it had to get moved to Bayswater, and then they started doing a lot of their own events, um, Barbagello, uh, Mount Omni. They still did the cruises and the, um, what do they used to call them, like the nav rallies where yeah. you had like a tulip map and had to go out and find random things in strange mm-hmm. country towns and then meet up at a set meet point at a certain time. Yeah. And that's that's where it was and that's like I said that's yeah, Todd, Denver, Franz, all those guys. Oh, yeah. That's that's where we all came from. And I, awesome. you were on some of the um, running the engine cruises, weren't you? When we used to drive to Bunbury back and run motors in. Mm. And that's when the freeway stopped at the fourteenth set of traffic lights at Armadale Road almost. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And you'd get off and you'd go down Rockingham Road and you'd weave through anyway. Come yeah. come through the back of Johnson Road mm-hmm. and yeah. pop out um, near CSBP there and yeah and we go down there and run motors in if people had rebuilt motors run the motor back in nice little drive back then it was it took us about five hours oh I remember that's how you used to get to Ravenswood as well yeah John, you know you have to get to the end of the freeway then turn right yeah it was Johnson Road wasn't yep. it yep. yeah 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 uh yeah, but that's right. It was that, and that little servo was there, the little shell. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, right. that's actually still there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I do a lot of work down there now, so it's, oh, yeah, okay. It's a, it's a big place now, but still the same shell service so it's on the corner of Johnson Road. Yeah, yeah. So from there, how did you progress into to motorsport? Uh, so Dad got his first race car as such. So he got a Westfield Clubman, um, probably ninety six, ninety seven, when I was like late teens, um, and he just. Same thing, he just started doing the odd sprint here and there and progressed and 
went through multiple motors for AGEs and things mm. like that in that car <laughs> rebuilt then the car got stripped multiple times it went to the wall at Wanneroo and he's done all sorts of that and then he um, yeah he just basically the car progressed to the point where it was and the events progressed to the point where they just they were, t- they were super competitive and then the speed event series started 21 years now so wow. yeah. so, 2000, so 2000 the speed event series started mm-hmm. and he's one of the I think it's about three or four registered competitors now who have done every year, mm-hmm. and he's one of them. And so that Westfield's been around a very long time. Um, it's still in the hands of another competitor now, undergoing a full rebuild with some trick engine and gearbox and stuff going in that. So that'll be good to see that come back out. But yeah, so Dad uh, did uh, Westfield for probably seven or eight years. Yep. And same thing, got to the point where he couldn't, he wasn't competitive. He could go as high as he could in that, but couldn't get into the top two or three. So he's, um, then he moved into open wheelers, uh, mm-hmm. bike engine, single seat, high bus powered, um, 350 kilos, 180 horsepower, wings and slicks kind of car. Mm-hmm. And then um, once he's done that, then he was like, well, you want to drive the Westfields sitting there in the shed. So that's when I started in the Speed Event Series as a competitor. Yep. Um, but I'd been involved, obviously, crewing for him and things like that. So I've been in there since yeah, 2000. Hmm. For those listeners listening at home, I know what a Westfield is. We all know what a Westfield is. But for a lot of people won't know what they are. So yeah. I know it's, it's probably kind of a hard car to explain. But um, So it's a knockoff of a uh, Lotus 7 Clubman. Yeah. So um, Colin Chapman built them in 1960-something with a um, 1500 cross-flow. Um, make them as light as possible as you can. Mm-hmm. Little clamshell guards and go quick by being light. Now, they do meet an ADR. You can license them on the road, am I right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So yeah. That's, that's the beauty of this car is that you can have it as a... I guess you wouldn't have it as a daily driver, but I used to work with a gentleman who had one and he used to bring it to work nearly every day. Who, who was that? Uh, PJ Singh is his name. His brother-in-law's with um, Roly, the guy that does uh, Roly Waters. Yes, oh, it's his race brother. Tune fame. Yes, well, there you go. It's Ooh. his brother-in-law. <laughs> Just trying to think what car that would be. Um, this is a long, long yeah, time ago. Yeah, said, yeah. There's, there's, this is the mid nineties. We're talking here. Yeah, so it's, it's probably one of Roly's ex race cars, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one, it. Yeah, one it's of his the brother in law. So one, one of the white race tune cars. It was white. Yes. Yeah, it would have been one yeah. of the ex white race tune cars yeah. that. Same thing. Roly had plates on most of them. He'd come up and race them. He yeah. he was in the series in his escort, but he's also done events in Clubman's as well. Mm. But a fun car, aren't they? That's, oh that's, yeah. yeah. Oh, for those playing at home, I was about to say, I remember going to Pit Stop Bookshop back in the day when they were mm-hmm. in Perth. You could buy a book. It was based in the UK, but the idea was you go pick up a Junker Escort, right? And then they give you instructions on what bits you need from the Escort. It was called How to Build a Cl- How to yeah. Build a Race Car for 250 Quid. Yep, there you go. Thank you, Phil. Yep. And, and there's actually a club in WA, um, the Sports Car Builders, Sports Car Builders Club of WA. Um, they meet at the light car club room in Bayswater as well, where all fours used to meet all these years ago. And that's the premise of that club, is about people building their own home-built sports cars. They talk them through getting ADR compliance, getting them um, beam and torsion tested, getting them licensed. Mm. There's guys in there have built was one which is running on a Gemini diesel engine. There's, wow. And then it's, it's all the way through. like So um, one of the clubmen that's 
been super competitive in WA over the last couple of years has recently been sold. But that had a 260 horsepower Duratec sequential box. Maybe it was just a monster of a car. I remember the car. It was something to something to watch. So, and they said you can have them running a Gemini diesel. Or you can have them running 300 horsepower sequentials mm. and slicks and all the rest of it. So, yeah, yeah, and that's really is the core of of grassroots motorsport, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. an entry. I guess an entry level. There's one down the road from me actually on on where I live, believe it or not. And uh, you know he tinkers away with it uh, every now and then, and uh, it's really great to see that car come into life. I guess you would say, mm. and uh, you, you, there's not too many of them. I, I don't see too many anymore. I used to see many years ago, but I think they've. I don't know if people are too scared to drive them now. There are plenty around. I, I live up in the hills, and I'd see on the weekend. I'd see six or seven different cars mm. every because that's that's what they are. They're great for just doing the hill drive, Mundaring Weir Road. You can do it. At a brisk speed, not getting yourself any trouble. Yeah. Enjoy, and people are scared of things like trucks and stuff running you over because mm. you you aren't you you're like a motorbike. You're, you're invisible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why people don't drive them on the road. Basically. No, fair enough. No, I understand that. Yeah, uh, let's say um, so you went into the open wheelers now. I remember the open wheelers that your dad and you had. Mm-hmm. They were something else to behold. I remember watching them at Bustleton of all places. and Oh, through the hay bales and the You guys were just tearing it up would be the way to put it. I remember just the noise and everything. So what was the open wheelers you guys sort of so ran? They're, they're a company out of the UK called OMS, um, Owens Motorsport. Uh, Steve Owens, a guy. He's ex-F1 engineer who basically retired from F1 and wanted to build his own single-seat hill climb cars. Like if you look at the British hill climbs, championships it's yeah. all single seat hill climb cars it's, mm. and they're all f1 technology even um one of the guys here uh, malcolm osler he's ex jaguar ex red bull he's won the australian hill climb titles in the last five or six years now in his car which it started as no ms and then he just threw all his information at it mm. and that, that's the same it's uh, so the first one was um a steel frame car bit like a clubman so steel tube frame chassis and that had a uh, 1300 cc high pusher motor in it but yeah that was 330 odd kilos uh, 10 inch wide slicks and wings basically. Yeah. Those, yeah okay that's how you make them work you get them light and a bit of aero on them and go from there and um dad's current cars again it's another oms but it's full carbon tub carbon everything that's a um, 1400 Hayabusa with a supercharger, and that's 340, 350 odd horsepower. Mm. Wow. How do, yeah. you, how do you go about finding Hayabusa engines? Because, you know, you talk to these guys building these cars, and just everything, every second one has a Hayabusa engine. Like, where do we. Well, is there an abundance of them in Western Australia? Or? <laughs> We've got a good relationship with a uh, local motorbike wrecker. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So they're a bike that. A lot of people throw down the road mm. um, just because they are so big and so powerful. And they, mm. once once they've had an accident, they're usually unsalvageable. And because we've had so many broken ones over the years, we can basically cough, we can get one that's rode down the road and mm. uh, worn through all the covers. We've got yep. enough. We've got all the covers at home where we can just take the broken covers off and put new covers on. And yeah, okay. So we can salvage stuff like that. But yeah, the higher buses are easy enough to get hold of. Okay, all right. I would have thought that'd be difficult now, but no. Like I said, well, yeah, we've. Oh, my cars, my personal cars, got eyeballs in it. Dad's 
got two different cars with high buses mm. in it. And there's, I don't know, probably four or five others being built in WA, all running high buses yeah. as well. So, And they're just, they're, they're that bang for buck. They're just big, big bore, bike engine. Like they make torque where mm. the thousands don't, because the thousands you need the revs. Yeah, yeah. And that, yep. that's what all your um, F1000s that, that race at Barbie they run, they run the Suzuki 1000cc mm-hmm. superbike engines in there. Yeah, yeah. Do you uh, modify the Bussemeyers at all, or not really needed once they're in a car that weighs not um, much? And the only, the only really, big, the only major thing you've got to do so you don't destroy them is. Um, basically modify the sump a little bit just to create a bit of capacity and then you put a baffle in it because it's now a stationary motor the oil does now slosh around whereas obviously when it's in a bike when a bike's leaning the end the oils with the centrifugal force the oil's actually staying around the pickups because the bikes are doing that so so you don't have the same slosh effect whereas we've got a stationary engine so the end the the oil is just going to go to one side and Mm. that's just a baffle plate and extend the sump a little bit and they will live happily like that without dying. Yeah. And then it's a case of modify your hearts to content. And <laughs> yeah, off you go. Spend as, however deep your pockets are is how much horsepower you got. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, we're, I mean, we're actually looking at, we'll link it up, we're looking at the Speed Event Series WA website and there is a... That's a West. A West for sale, which... Oh, sorry, Williams. Williams. Williams Sports Cars. Um... Yeah, again, just have a look. So we'll link it on the Talk and Power website and we'll discuss more about the website in a minute, the Speednet Series WA website or Facebook page. But, but yeah, it's... That is a magnificent car, I must say. Sorry to cut you off there, Todd, but that yeah. is, for, for that sort of money... Yeah. That is an awesome bit of kit. Look at that. And that's that's an Australian-built car as well. Um, it's obviously been copied off multiple cars to make what they've got. They've obviously seen things they like on all yeah. of but... So the guy that makes them's in Queensland. Um, there's six or seven of them complete, but he's an ex-partner in another company which were doing a very similar style car, hmm. and that was a re- the, the one that the West has copied was originally copied from a very very early Radical. Yeah. Okay. So they're, they're all that same lineage of kind of car. Yeah. Sing, single seat sports car. Um, like I said, it's it's huge in Europe. It's getting bit more traction here now with the radicals and the way of rise are running the radical series here now yeah um so it'd be you'll see a lot more of these style cars competing in in wa in the mm. next couple of years i think yep yep yeah they were uh, pretty big in europe when i was there actually what, 10 years ago now but there was every second man had either a bmw as his daily and then a radical rotate to the track yeah, yeah. and it was like okay and they would tow the radical behind the BMW half the time. Yeah, and and that's and that's what they are. They're like you can you can do that with them because they yeah. are such a light car, light trailer, and they're a drive and drive. They a radical is a true drive and drive car. You, yeah, you roll up and it'll go forever. Yeah, and they're made to do massive kilometres, so service intervals. Are, I think on the um, fifteen hundred service interval, something like hundred hours on a rebuild for an engine. But you think how many laps you can do in a hundred hours of full noise driving and that that's the engine's rated to go for that mm. for, and that's 220 horsepower yeah okay all right really exciting and that's uh that's some that that is a magnificent car i must say for thirty thousand dollars you cannot build you can't even build half of it for no, that sort of no. money <laughs> there'd be ten thousand dollars worth of shocks and that yeah with, that's right with it all being inboard nitrons and yeah 
Oh, beautiful cow. Hey, we'll take a short break here and we'll be back with more from Phil Morley right after the break. Okay, episode 112 of the Talking Power podcast, and we've got Phil Morley in the studio and Todd Brinkworth, our co host. So, you've told us a little bit about your background in motorsport, and um, obviously, coming from that sort of sports car and open wheeler background, tell us how you got involved then in the speed event series. Yes, it was just through basically dad being a competitor, so I started there as helping dad out and getting to know everyone around the pits and things like that, and then. Um, same thing, so I became a competitor probably six or seven years after Dad started. Um, competed quite successfully in his clubman, a uh, couple of second outright, uh, seconds in the series a couple of times and mm. things like that. And then, obviously, again, Dad stepped up to his next open wheeler, so I jumped into his old car, same thing, just following him around doing that. And then we got uh, the next car, which was my car which was um, out of Japan it's a Nismo Saurus Junior um, same that's a high powered car now it originally came as a one litre micro engine from Japan it's a one make series in Japan mm-hmm. and um, drove that for a couple of years and then normal things life got in the way and house and work and all yep. the rest of it so it had quite a few years off competing still been involved same thing crewing for dad helping out um, where I could and then um, the series started to struggle a little bit a couple of years ago. Uh, a lot of people getting disenfranchised with it and there's a lot of politics going on. And then um, there's a few of us got together late last year and went, if we don't do something, we're going to lose it. So a few of us put our hands up to say, all right, well, we'll, we'll take over and run it. Uh, we took that over quite late last year, early this year. So we didn't get a lot of things in place that we want to do. We're still still trying to regain ground from what we had last mm-hmm. year um, we've already got plans in for next year to make it try and make it a bit more classing wise and things like that a little, little bit more even and f- uh, favorable for other, for other people yep and um, so that's that's where we are now so I guess the yeah actually Todd you you, you know more about the series yeah, than I, I do yeah. so maybe you. I mean some of the standout events are you always do the Bustleton round well well that's that's well, that's a big that was a hard one to swallow. That was um, oh okay. Well, am I so that that's a, that, that's no, that's an ARC thing. Yeah. So ARC used to fund that. Um, the Australian Rally Chapter used to fund that event for um, the Friday night special stage when the ARC was coming. Obviously, COVID stopped that happening last year. Um, this year, they ARC decided not to come to WA at all, and I've been told that um, the organisers have now sold all the barriers, and that event's never going to run again. Mm. So, well, there you go. So that's that's a big that's a big shame that one. Um, that was the marquee event of the year. Uh, we used to do a demo on the um, Friday night where you get ten cars out there going around, and most of them are quicker than the rally cars anyway, including the um, top guys, the Bateses and stuff as well. Mm. And then um, then we'd have a full day out there Saturday by ourselves, going going between the hay bales and concrete walls and flat out like that. So yeah, okay. Yeah, it was, I remember it was worth a trip down there to watch you guys or play around. And yeah. I remember t- Franz going down there multiple times in multiple different cars. Yeah, and yeah I said it. Yeah, Franz is, I think, I think the highest he ever finished was second outright when he had his um, Z. 
yeah. this twin turbo Z. So Which is pretty uh, funny. Again, that's going back a long, yeah. long, a long, long way into the very early parts of the series, but it shows that anything can actually be competitive if if you can pedal a car. Yeah, that 300 ZX ended up being a lot of thirds and seconds, and, yeah. and everyone still... I know Franz listeners will do it. Yeah. To this day, he's like, that car did more than his Evo did sometimes. Yep, yep. I said, it's, if, you can pe- <laughs> if you can pedal a car, you're going to be competitive. Mm. But, um, I mean, firstly, where can we find information on the internet about all this? Like, so, we're talking about all this stuff on the internet, but... So, we do, we do have a website, um, speedeventseries.org, um, all one word, obviously. Um, it's not as fluid as it should be at the moment again like i said we were, we were quite late in taking these over yeah. so we're, we're kind of backpedaling and trying to just figure stuff out ourselves at the moment um we are more active on facebook um we've got uh, a facebook page which is just speed event series i think is it just speed event series <laughs> <laughs> and then our group then we've got a private group as well which anyone can send requests and i'll um me and the other committee members will obviously have a quick look and see who you are and make sure you're not a spammer and then we'll um accept people um we don't block people and things like that unless you're a spammer so yeah it is just speed event series yeah so uh if we go to these websites or make the facebook page um what's some of the good events coming up though we're talking about the ones that we used to have in the past like Bustleton, but i uh, i've heard the the, the rumor albany so, is uh coming up yeah so our next event's uh down in albany um it's the uh, classic weekend so we go down there on the June long weekend. Um, on the Saturday, we, everyone goes down on the Friday, obviously. The Saturday, we have a hill climb out of the wind farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if anyone knows Albany well, but you've got the um, windmills up at the top above the prison, and there's an access road there, which is about 3.5K. We use the last uh, 1,700 metres of that, which is a couple of fast-flowing corners a big long left hand sweeper and then again more fast flowing corners and a nice big dip at the end so that's that's a really quick fast hill climb um yeah it's it's, cool. it's quite average for spectators because it's there's no there's no viewing points and it's you've got to walk through the bush to be able to get it so it, it is a bit of a bummer for spectators and our pits are at the top of the hill climb mm-hmm. so again you're stuck up there all day so if you get up there before we run you're basically stuck up the top yeah. looking at cars you, and then you can't see cars running from being stuck at the top as well mm. so and then on the sunday is when all the old fellas bash around the concrete barriers around the albany mm-hmm. town site yep and that just becomes a big social thing for all us competitors we just go down the pub and watch the old guys bounce around and we'll have a few beers <laughs> and tell long stories i was gonna say you don't have any laughs do you <laughs> <laughs> and then on the um so that's the Sunday, sorry, and then the Monday public holiday. There's a industrial state, industrial sprint stage around mm-hmm. industrial state called uh, the Pendine Industrial State, and that that's probably nearly two k along, I think. And that's you start in one of the one of the trucking yards, you go out, chicane, hairpin, come back, chicane, and then through through the uh, back streets of yeah, the okay. industrial state. Yep. Nice. I know that wind that wind farm road bit of road. I actually have been up there for work uh, a few times. It is a magnificent bit of road. I yes. love it. Yeah, it's made magnificent. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, it's it's a it's a great bit of road, and it's it's the one that you we've really got to fight to keep. Um, Ma, I keep putting roadblocks up, um, and we keep beating the roadblocks. There was one put up again this year about more barriers, and we've we've got past that, and we're looking at doing things to help the club down there for future events to, to keep it because 
I said with losing things like Bustleton and stuff like that, we don't want to lose another marquee event, and especially Albany. Um, I think as a series, we really need two events down there to make it viable to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, people, it's a long way to go. It's an expensive weekend. Mm-hmm. So if you've got two events, you can kind of justify going. Uh, but like I said, if there was one, I, th- I don't think we could actually justify yeah. going there. Yeah, yeah, no. So, and uh, after that, you've got the Collie Hill Climb and Sprint coming up? Yeah, so in July, we've got a Collie Weekend. Um, same thing, we try and do two events down when we're down at Collie. Um, we, we alternate between the short track, the long track, and there's a new hill climb which we ran for the first time last year down there. Um, and that uses part of the short circuit. And then um, if you know the short circuit at all, after you come out of turn four, where it joins the back straight, we've, yep. <laughs> we've, we've now put a um, hairpin to go back onto the new long circuit. Okay. So you'd actually then come down onto the long circuit backwards and then go up the hill towards those two double left-handers at the top of the hill. Yep, yep, sorry. Yep. So we, we, we've run that once, um, and in our regs, we've just got it down as hill climb um, sprint weekend, and we just got to decide which way we want to do it, whether we want to do a long track and a hill climb, or we'll do a short track and a hill climb, mm-hmm. with, or whether we want to do a long track and a short track mm-hmm. on, the, on the two different days. Yeah, okay, yep. So we don't want to have... It, so it's just all long track or just all short track, because certain cars prefer short track certain guys like long track mm. and again to, to, for the series to work you need to please everyone yeah you can't yeah. just make it just for two or three guys no and uh, for anyone listening there at home we'll, we'll get more into how you get into it shortly but uh collie is a great circuit oh, the, i'd argue and say it's a brilliant learning circuit because it's short but technical it is it's yeah the long circuit is by far better than Barbagello. I'll probably get shot down by, <laughs> by the Barbagello people for saying that. I didn't say that. <laughs> um, facilities obviously still quite agricultural out there, so it, it can't be a premier race circuit just due to the facilities. Yeah. Um, but technicality-wise, it has left and right, uphill, downhill, which Barbagello doesn't really have. No. <laughs> you know, technically speaking, it is far better than Barbagello. And yeah, I mean, yeah. it, you just, that's, look, I mean, people can get upset. The people from the WA Sporting Car Club may get upset, but that that's the reality. There's, you know, from a technical point of view, I've been to Collie a few times now, and I absolutely love it. I mean, I think it's, yeah, yeah facilities, we all agree. I think there's, there's room for improvement there, but we're talking about it. It's a grassroots venue, really. Yeah. Well, again, Collie, Collie came about in the very early days of the Speedway series, um, and it was uh, whoever the mining company mm. was down there at the time, they had to re- rehabilitate the land, didn't want to pay to rehabilitate the land, so they donated it to the council and said, oh, we'll make you a racetrack. Mm. And the first times we were down at Collie, so if anyone knows the pits at Collie now, that used to be the main straight. Yes. Oh, really? So yeah. we'd go through that pit garages yep. at speed. Yep. Okay. All right, I didn't know so, that. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's how Collie started out. Yeah. And then obviously it progressed, and then the actual straight was built where you came the hairpin, and then around the pits, onto the short circuit. Yeah. And then obviously the long circuit came about what two years ago now, I think. Yeah. But yeah, so that was yeah. I didn't know that. He's <laughs> racing through. Yeah. You used to have okay. to drive through the. Um, you had to had had the gate shut when you were racing, yep. otherwise people would drive across because that was where the car park was on the outside. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then they built the tunnel. They but, built the tunnel. But the tunnel was barely big enough to fit. 
a car and a trailer yeah. if you're very unlucky anything else is a bit of a whoa yeah. <laughs> I know people that probably wouldn't go in that tunnel honestly yeah, you know, know. Yeah, so uh, our, our car trailers don't go through um, they just because it is it's just a bit of ag pipe so it's a yeah. curve so it's wide but then obviously it gets smaller all the time. so anyone, <laughs> yeah. anyone anyone with a high car trailer you can only cross between sessions and yeah. things like that because yeah you just have to wait for Anna to go and open the gate to let you through yeah yeah and uh, if you ever do get the chance to go down there and you want to have a look, like Collie is only what, two hours yeah. out of Perth, it's actually a good track to watch because you can go mm. stand up on top of the Burnout Pad Hill and, and you can and see... And see 90% of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yep. I lo- actually used to love going in there when I can just to watch because you get to see a lot. Mm. And everyone's friendly down there. Like It is a bit of an agricultural track, but the guys that run the track are always super friendly... If there's enough people down there, they always put some food on or someone will bring some food out and you're only 10, 15 minutes from Collie anyway. Yeah, and that, and that, again, that's one of our things with Collie is all we try to make it a big social thing. So we'll always, on a Friday, Saturday night, we'll have the big, they've got a big um, hall pack tyre, which they've um, got the rim, big fire pit going, we have a barbecue, everyone's got beers around the barbecue. So it's a, mm. everyone stays at the track. So it's a big social thing, which is what we're trying to push with the series to be a social thing as well not just turn up do your event piss off back to Perth yeah um, yeah. we want people to hang around be friends with each other mm. and, which is in obviously everyone knows in motorsport everyone does get a bit of the red mist and <laughs> yeah, a lot of egos and things like that so if we can try and push that out of the way by trying to get people to socialise with each other as well it's a, it's a big thing to help certainly certainly and they can all hug afterwards and, and uh, have yeah. a beer or two <laughs> yeah that's right so Hey, we're going to take a short break here. Well, we'll be back with more from Phil Morley right after this. All right, episode um, 112 of the Talking Power podcast. You can catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and on 88.5 FM where the valley comes alive. Thanks, Nick. I haven't not asked you yet. I was no, getting there. I was, I, that's where we're <laughs> three segments in, and I hadn't dropped that. Oh, yeah, I was, I, was paying, I was paying attention. Don't worry. Big shout out to everyone on eighty-eight point five FM. Yeah, and they're great. Uh, We've been actually. I've been hearing some more about eighty-eight point five lately around the tracks, and people are like, "Oh, you're on there on a Saturday morning." We are. Yep. Saturday morning, eight thirty to ten. Yep. You can catch us, and you can also listen to Phil Morley as well. Uh, yeah. On this episode, so yeah, it's great. It's, uh, it's great to have you here. Now tell us, I mean, we talked about the, the events that are coming up in Collie and, and the hill climb. Basically, from when I look at that, we have a mixture of track sprints and hill climbs. Previously, I don't see there, but previously you've done point-to-point as well. Well, so we do... There are, um, oh, sorry, yeah, that's, sorry, yeah, you've already are, done a point-to-point. Yeah. So point. we've done My two point-to-points point point at the start of the year. Um, that's just the way the WAS calendar worked for us. It didn't fit, obviously... <laughs> WASC were quite late in releasing their calendar for us to try mm-hmm. and pick dates. Um, they had a lot of things that conflicted with events we had already had booked. Um, we actually got a few few of our dates changed to try and pick up more barbie yellow dates. Um, we didn't get a long circuit sprint this year, which kind of disappointing. Um, we tried to work with the club to get that, so hopefully we can work with the club to get some long circuit stuff next year because everyone loves the long circuit barbie yellow too. So we've only got three at barbie yellow this year. Um, so it's two point to points, and then we've got a Jacks Hill in um, October. Yeah, okay. If you don't mind me asking, you might not be able to answer this question, but was there any particular reason as to why you couldn't get the long, long circuit? 
Um, Barbiello just there, there, there was a lot of conflict between the previous administration of the series and Barbagello. Um, I think a lot of that's just hanging around still. Um, we've, we've gone back to them many times and told, look, we are all new people. We are trying to help. We are trying to work mm. with you to get over those issues. And and um, so it's a case of just trying to sit down with them as much as we can and try, yep. and, try and get back on the same page and try and work with them. Mm. Um, you can't, it's it's hard to do a series without having a Barbie Yellow long track. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Must be difficult as well for them as or staffing a, or getting the volunteers to to man a long circuit as well. Well, that, that's I think that's one of the things they've tried to do this year. Um, they've put a lot of their sprints in with race meetings, um, mm. obviously because they've got the officials and all the rest of it. But if we turn up with fifty cars, you're not going to be able to run sprint meeting because a sprint, a sprint meeting 50 cars takes a full day yeah yeah okay. and, and a race meeting takes a full day so you're not going to be able to run a sprint meeting with in combined with a race meeting um and we we've told them that um hopefully they listen um but like i said i think they've done that to try and minimize their costs on them running events mm. um yeah and that like i said i think that's the problem that we've ran into and they're, they're doing a lot of night events and again because we've got open wheelers with no lights we can't run night events and mm. That's that's where we're at with Barbie Girl at the moment. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Waterloo is dark at night, especially mm. over the back in the well, Cole or whatever you want to call it. It's yeah, what's it now? It's Coms Corner. Oh, well, there, yeah, it's it's dark over yeah. there. Let's just say you don't want to go off there because you might not find your way home. But saying so, I was out there for the Rise Racing thing on Friday yeah. night, and that's even with all the light towers and stuff, it's still it's not it's not right for an open car to be able to run up there at night. So yeah, strap the torches to the front and yeah. hope for the best. Yeah, so. But, uh, yeah, I mean, nothing against Waterloo. I mean, the, and for those listen, no, listening, the point to point, I mean, that was run back in the 90s, and it's something pretty cool to see when people come the wrong way into pit lane and stuff oh, like that, and yeah. it's... You're not, you're not just using the track. You're using the pit bays. You're using yeah. the car park bit. You're using... And it's it's great to see, and it's, again, really well, technical. The one, the last event of, on uh, 18th of April was a point to point, and that used started on Jack's Hill, you went up Jack's Hill. You did most. Of, you did ninety percent of Jack's Hill, and then you cut across from Jack's Hill, and came out just before turn six, so just before Coms or Coalboard, whatever yep. you want to call it. And then you ran a bit of the circuit in the right direction, and then you came up to the old short circuit, cut across. Then you turned onto the short circuit the wrong way, came across the short circuit the wrong way, and then went down through the S's. Oh wow! Okay. And everyone. Wow. Everyone commented on how much fun going the back the wrong way through the S's was. I bet. So it was just... And, yeah. And then, like I said, and then you take in behind the new pit complex and they have, mm. little, they have just a little couple of witches hats, chicanes and stuff set up on the um, on the pit complex where the drifters use. Yep. And then you come through the... Come down pit lane and then back onto the circuits. I think they get them to about four kilometres. Mm. Yeah, okay. Is, so it's just... It's, obviously, it's the same kind of premise as what Ross does with the rally sprints of the motorplex. Yeah. Using a lot of all the access roads and yeah. things like that. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it's quite interesting to watch. And, and Jack's Hill, I mean, I don't know how many people actually realise there is a hill climb circuit <laughs> over the back of Waterloo Raceway. Not many people would know that, Todd. No, they don't. Every and, time uh, I've spoken about it, people say, what, where? You, you drive where? past the entrance on the way to the Waterloo <laughs> yeah. Raceway, you yeah. know, like... Well, it's, that's, it, that's, is and originally was a soapbox track. Yeah, that's right. So that's what it started out as. And then um, there was a couple of people around at Barbagillo at the time who went, oh, we can make this into a hill climb. So they added a few, again, they added a little bit more to it. and It's grown over the years. Again, it's quite technical. Um, 
I think if MA have their way, I think we'll lose a lot of the open road style hill climbs. So like your wind farms, um, Mount Omnis and stuff. I think the way it goes with trees and barriers and Armco, just the liabilities there, I think they'll end up making those events non-existent. And then we just, we'll just we need more permanent hill climbs like Jack's and like the one that um, Hannah's got down at Collie as well. Mm, yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. Is, well, I was about to say, if we're playing at home, MA, Motorsport Australia. Yeah. Was, yeah sorry. Formerly known as Cams. Cams. Yes. So they did a good job, but also there's a few people that... Uh, it's just... it's Cotton wool. It's, yeah, it's... it's <laughs> liabilities obviously yeah. the, their insurers are telling them and they're just pushing it on everyone else yeah, yeah. if if their insurers aren't comfortable then they aren't comfortable mm. that, that's where it's at and it's like it's like anything in this world isn't it insurance is just getting harder and harder to justify so yeah 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 shout out to everyone at motorsport australia <laughs> i know that's like they do a bang up job and oh, they, they do and they i have many dealings with them now yeah with with, with what my role in this and they're all super helpful, super friendly. And it's just, I said, it, they're, they're being held to ransom by their insurers and they're just pushing it on to everyone else. So mm, yeah. that, that's where it is. That's where it is. Yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. No, can, we get that and we you know, we live in a real world as well and we yeah, completely understand public liability and in those sorts. And it, just even public liability is out of control now. You know, oh, yeah. To, to be an organisation, you've got to have public mm, liability. Yeah. That's without even turning the wheel. Mm. So, try being a photographer. Yeah, well, that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're required to have public liability yeah. doing yeah. what we do here. As I yeah. say, it cost me money to take my camera to the track and watch a free event. Mm. Mm. Which, and that, again, that's that's why you see like a lot of the main photographers now just don't do that many events because again, their insurance costs have just gone through the roof. So yeah. they, and if you look at that, they'll all before an event they'll put a post up on their Facebook page just saying we need clients to pay yeah. now before we commit to the event because if they don't get paying customers then they're out of pocket for going to the event mm. yeah 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 that's um that's not a good outcome is it that's no. not, that's not good for anyone when we hear when we hear stuff like that that's not good at all i think we'll take a short break here because when we get back we want to talk about some of some of these the the, the categories or the classes yeah in, in uh, and there's there's quite a few there and i, I want to, i don't want to go in detail on each one but i'm I'm curious to, as to some of these and um, what sort of car would fit in there. And I, I mean, I have a, I had a read before there was a PDF document that was associated to that as well. I had a quick read before, but I, yeah, I'd love to touch base and chat more about that uh, right Is after he- the break. Okay, Talking Power Podcast, episode 112. We have Phil Morley in the studio, and we've also got co-host Todd Brinkworth. Unfortunately, Simon and Brendan couldn't make it tonight, so it's just the, the three of us here. But uh, we're having a good old time here and a good old yak with uh, Phil Morley about the WA Speed Event Series. Now, Phil, I looked through these categories here of cars, and I, I need you to pretty much go through. I mean, I have a fair understanding of most of them. Um, Formula... Libre, I guess you'd say, under two, under two litre and Formula Libre over two litre. Can you tell us a little bit about those two to start with? So your Formula Libre is it's recognised as Formula Free. You can do basically anything goes. Um, so that's where all your wings and slicks cars end up with the 
um, Hypusser engines and all the rest of it. So that's um, yeah, any any open car, um, single seat open car ends up there. So we've got um, so obviously you've got Dad's OMS, which is the supercharged Hypusser. We've got um, my car, which is a turbocharged Hypusser. There's another car which is um, a pill beam out of the UK. He's got the V8 Hypusser, which the Radicals run. So that's a custom block, two Hypusser heads. He's in that. Um, and then there's guys running the Formula 1000s, which run a Barber Yellow, just so we don't have a Formula 1000 class, a sports car class, an open wheel class. Like we, we just group them as they're all Formula Libra, so it's Formula Outright. Mm. So we've, we've got an Outright sedan class, and then Formula Libra, is, like I said, it's just a throwback word. Um, going back to the early years of the series, it just used to be called um, Outright Open Cars. Mm. That, that's how it was picked up. But it is recognised by the FIA. Yes. Yeah yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, I thought so. It's, so it, it's, uh, Libre, I think, is translates to free. I yeah. mean, yeah, so... Yeah, like I said, it's, it's basically up. Formula Free. Yeah. yeah. So it's a free, free set of rules. Yeah. Um, yeah. As long as it complies to CAM's schedules A and B, I think it is. I think or you're right, actually. Motor, Motorsports yeah. Australia's um, schedules A and B, which is just, it has to have four tyres, it has to have a seatbelt, it has to... That's suspension. That's mm. pretty much it. Yep. Now, did, correct me if I'm wrong, did it say it can be four-wheel drive as well? Is, is, yes. Yeah, I, thought, <laughs> I thought I read that. I said, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so there's a... Um, and again, it's there's a kind of... My understanding of it, it had to be a open car, um, but there's cars over east which are log-booked as um, Formula Libra. They used as a... Uh, Datsun 260Z, which is a four-wheel drive LS-powered turbo thing. It's, it's stupidly quick and it's awesome bit of gear, but somehow that's classed as Formula Libra. But I think that's just there because it doesn't comply to any other Motorsport Australia class. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's when things don't comply to a certain set of class, they just get bumped into Formula Libra. Let's just say, and I don't, but let's just say I had... But I don't. <laughs> a Can-Am car, where would that would that go into Formula Libres? Well, or? yeah, so technically it, a Can-Am car would fit in sports cars um, open, over oh, two Oh, sorry, yeah, okay, but of course. Yep. For, the, for the spirit of the series, we're putting them in our in Formula Libre. So yeah, we've, okay. we've, we've got um, John Webb, he's running, he's running a Radical. Yep. Again, a Radical technically fits in sports cars open. But what we're to what we choosing to see sports cars as is your Porsches, MR twos, MX fives, all that kind of stuff. That's what we're classing as sports cars. So there are traditional the sports car class is traditionally for road going sports cars. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the essence of the rule, a Can Am is a sports car, a West is a sports car, Radicals a sports car. So they could and technically should run there mm-hmm. but for the spirit of the series we just bumped him in with the big guys okay right no, no that's fair enough the other one i'm interested in as well is a road car under 2000 and over two liter tell us a bit about that because i read the rules briefly on that as well so correct me if i'm wrong that's got to be licensed on road ba- basically the road car is what we're trying to do with that is if someone wants to buy a showroom stock car and do no modifications Except a set of tyres, they go there. Mm-hmm. They don't have to go in and compete against the sports cars or the tarmac rally cars and things okay. like that. So, what would the essence of that is just your run of the mill daily driver with no modifications, or okay. or to a certain extent, very light and modified. Yeah. Okay. Right. That, that's what we're trying with that. 
So something like Todd Zevo, he's got outside tonight. Where would that would go into tarmac? That would be tarmac. That would be tarmac rally cars, four-wheel drive. Four-wheel drive. Okay. There you go. Now I know. So, <laughs> and our tarmac rules, the way we've, again, the way we're doing that is very similar to the way Ross does it for his rally sprints. You've got dedicated tarmac cars, which are there, but if Troy Wilson or Jonesy turns up, they'll they'll get, then get bumped into the outright sedans. Um, and we got four registrations for four-wheel drives in that class. So we've now split the four-wheel drives out of the outright sedans. So there's now an outright four-wheel drive class as well. Okay. So right. if you've got a silly modified Evo with 700 <laughs> horsepower, you will go into outright sedans, four-wheel drive. Okay. All right. Because that was going to be my next question. What differentiates? So outright sedan um, over and under two-litre. So... They are for sedan-type vehicles that aren't tarmac vehicles. Yeah, so anything that's overly modified. Yep. So I said anything anything with an engine conversion. Uh, so we've got um, an LS-powered RX-7 and things like that in that class. But mm-hmm. we've also got um, three of Dick Ward's old um, Series 5 sports sedans in that class as well. Oh, okay. Righto. So that's, that's the kind of scope of cars. But yeah. Um, so the outright sedan is just anything that's too highly modified to fit in any of the other classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Now that's um, I mean that's a pretty good good overview. I mean, but what that allows for is quite a, a wide yeah. gamut of vehicles, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got um, there's a young guy with a his daily driver. It's a little 1988, 89, 323 laser mm-hmm. sedan. But he's gone to town, he's built a motor, he's put a big turbo on it, and because of that, he's been bumped into outright. But that's, it gives him somewhere to play. <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The one thing I read as well before was uh, the mandate on roll cages. You, it's not mandatory to have a cage in road cars. Did I read that right? It's not man- mandated in any class, mm-hmm. um, it's just recommended. Mm-hmm. Um, again, so. It's basically up to yourselves, really. Yeah. Um, so what you achieve by doing that is is opening up. What I'm trying to say, I guess, is or what what I'm trying to to to, to say here in this situation is you're allowing a wide gamut of people to participate, and if if it's not really for them, they haven't made a huge investment yeah, yeah, into the yeah. into the sport because you know Simon and I talk about it all the time, and we sometimes differ on opinion, but. In drag racing, the the moment you go under ten fifty, you're you're you, you've got to cage it. Yeah, yeah. Making that investment, even cutting up the car to a certain extent, it's not a huge, it's a, but it, yeah. it's it's it can be a, a costly exercise. Yeah, I've, I've got a car at my place at the moment. Um, a mate built it, and he's just got nowhere to store it. But he's saying he built it for tarmac rallies. And put a cage. It was a Peugeot two hundred six, and it was a beautiful car before he started with it. And now he's like, yeah, I'm regretting putting a cage in because now I can't drive it. Mm. He goes, I yeah. really enjoy driving it. He goes, but I wanted to do a Targa. And then, so he built the car with the cage and now he's got a caged car and his life's got in the way and now he can't do a Targa. So he's like, I've got this car, which I, I love, I can't drive. So that's where you are when you, once you've caged a car, it's, <coughs> it's yeah. done. Yeah, I mean, the, the the flip side of that argument is it locks the guy into participating <laughs> yeah. as well. Oh. But it... Uh, I think it, it, it opens the door to 
for more competitors and to and to, to try is probably the most important yeah. thing, and isn't it? We were if we weren't uh, what's the word in our own responsibilities, we've got to draw a line somewhere. So mm. if if you're going to turn up with a 700 horsepower GTR and do sub 60s of barber yellow like there are a few you probably get a tap on the shoulder and say eh, you should probably probably at least put a half a cage in there yeah just because obviously we don't want to see any of them people have an accident but yeah we don't want to see you turn up in your daily driver cage stripped seats and then you <laughs> go around doing 75 second barber yellow laps mm. you're perfectly welcome to and we, yeah. we're not going to stop you doing it but if that's if that's where you want to start, you don't have to have a fully built car mm. to, to compete. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I like about your series. And I mean, I've, I've looked, at, looked at it and I thought, well, this is quite a, this, this is what we're trying to get to at the end of the day. Yeah. It is a grassroots. Yeah. Um, it's, encar- it's encouraging. Just try and get people involved in motorsport. Mm. And that's, that's what our role is from Motorsports Australia is just encourage, encourage, encourage. Don't turn anyone back. Mm. sit down with them guide them through everything you need to and that's where that's where you go so this year i think we ended up with 10 first time registered competitors out of our 75 registered so 10 of them are first timers never mm. never done the series before yep yep that's, that's and, and hopefully we can retain them all they all seem to be enjoying it so that's pretty exciting isn't it i mean to have 10 yeah. new yep. competitors in the sport that have never done it before and uh, hopefully, you know, they go home, each one of those goes home and tells another 10 people and suddenly you get this yeah. exponential growth. in. I mean, and again, that, and that's why we try to do the social stuff as well. So we include the new guys in the social thing and then they get to meet the other drivers that have been around. Because I, I don't know how most people feel, but if you were a first-timer and so they said in a 75-second car, would you be happy or would you be confident enough to go and speak to one of the open-wheeler drivers doing 55s mm. whereas you take that race car out if you've got a social environment around a barbecue they don't know what car you drive they're happy to come and chat to you and then they get to know you and then they realize who you are they're happy to bounce off you then mm. yeah yeah but just the actual intimidation of coming up to someone yeah in a full race suit helmet harms all the rest of it when you're in your road car is probably a lot for a lot of people mm. yeah no doubt i was gonna say that well I mean, we can talk about all the classes and where we fit. How do I, I mean, I don't know how I do it, but how does the guy off the street, besides going on the website, how does he get, how does he get started? Like, Started in motorsport? Or? Yeah, well, starting in speed event series. Like, jump on the website, try well, and find a decent well, car, come along, have yeah, a well, chat. Just, just <laughs> um, yeah, well, obviously, your first step is usually join, join a car club. Yeah. Um, so you, you find a car club with common interests, whether it's, whether you join the MX Live Club, whether you join whatever car club your car belongs to, um, as long as they're MA affiliated, so you can get your CAMS license through that. You need your CAMS license, so as long as you've got a club membership and a CAMS license, you can do any event pretty much in WA anyway. And then once you've got that, you can join our series by going on the website. There's a registration form on our website. Um, it's $99 for the year. That gets you a, a T-shirt. Yeah, door stickers which you have to keep for the whole year um, they're quality stickers so they can actually stay on the car or if you wanted you could put them on other backing, magnetic backing and put them on and off mm-hmm. so they last well over a year anyway um, gets you um, registered for series points outright points, the social functions the presentation, 
your trophies. It gets that's what your ninety nine dollars gets you. Ninety nine dollars gets you all of that. Yeah. yeah. It's too cheap, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> $99. Yeah, so that's, again, we, we want to keep it at a lower cost point to get people involved. Yeah, spend I, more on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually thinking, I'm looking at the calendar in front of us, or some of it, and I'm like, I think I might be doing some events later this year with the Evo. After, yeah, yeah, well, and yeah. so... We've got, I think we've got 12 or 13 events this year. And the way we've, with the way we wrote the regs this year was you can actually drop uh, your lower scoring events, and that includes non-events you don't turn up. So if you were to join for the next event in Albany, that's round five. So technically you're only two rounds behind anyone else. Yeah. And if you go through our points, obviously you can't get into your points. You can't get into our points unless you... Well, no, you can off the website anyway. But there's very few people have already done all four events anyway so you can join tomorrow and you can actually still be competitive in your class if you do the rest of the events for the season mm. oh, that's magnificent that is yeah. magnificent $99 I can't believe it that's that is a bargain yeah it is so and I mean what I'm going to try and do with Phil in the near future and with Brendan who wasn't here tonight unfortunately is uh, probably use my car as an example but uh, show people on the good old YouTube and also we'll do a bit of a podcast about it what what you need to get the car out there though because as i've learned the hard way it's not just having the car it's you probably need a fire extinguisher that's a good start so yeah just uh, again you, the, it's all on your um sub rigs what you need and it's usually just your um your minimum is the extinguisher um your battery triangle so you need a blue yeah. 150 me 150 mil per side triangle to locate your battery and you need a red uh arrow to toe points mm. that that is the bare minimum you need and then you just progress from there mm. yeah yeah that's 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 yeah oh, obviously helmet um yep. long sleeves long pants yeah it has to be cotton but you don't need gloves you don't need race boots no um you don't need harns all the rest of it um mm. at certain points obviously the harns rules kick in the race suit rules kick in yeah obviously as you progress through motorsport that happens mm. no matter what motorsport anyway but yeah Road car class with jeans and a jumper, perfectly mm. fine. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, it's pretty good. I was actually give a bit of a plug there. Um, Ivan, who helps out a lot at Gogia, at Gogia, uh, he would be the person to go see and politely ask um, for any assistance. <laughs> and he will, he will murder me for saying that, but politely ask, and he he's great. He will help you and tell you where you should, where you should put your fire extinguisher. Can sell you a helmet. They have the sticker packs on the shelf that has your blue triangle, has your toe point stickers. They sell toe toe points to mount any vehicle. Like, kind of a one-stop shop. Yeah, that's exactly what Dick and Ivan are there for. Um, They have said they will come on as serious sponsors for us. Um, I've just been very lazy with the paperwork to get that sorted out. Um, But, yeah, they've been great for the series. Uh, Dick's been a serious supporter, obviously, since the very early days. Um, they tune into the podcast as well, I say. Yeah. Um, they I, do. And uh, actually, going back, talking about Dick Water, we should actually have a chat to Dick one day, because some of the cars Dick Water's had over the years oh. would blow your mind oh. to pieces. Yep. It'll be, yeah, we should, yeah, we should do yeah. that. And, uh, and, and his history, like, so he's, yeah. his history through the Malaysian sports sedans and stuff like yeah. that, it's just amazing mm. what he's done over his, over his lifetime. Actually, going to Gogia, if you get the chances, you look on, look at the photos on the wall, let's just mm. put it that way, and you will actually go, hang on, 
that well, someone that is living in Perth has done all this stuff and owned all these vehicles. It's quite... Yeah, it is amazing. And it's pretty and, cool. And even the stuff he's built, so his sports sedans, his Series 4-5 RX-7 sports sedans, yeah. they're, they're we're world-renowned. Mm, yeah. And there's, like I said, there's now three of them registered for the Series, and they're obviously all cars that have been around the world and come back, mm. and people have rebuilt them, and I know Dick's just about finished one rebuild on one of his yeah um one car, another car's just come back from new zealand and then there's the 20b car and there's a 13b car yeah well, right so. okay there you go uh scarborough Trodosy park that's near, right near the near the green street intersection that's it's correct. where the roads meet all yeah it's that horrible intersection with there's yeah. 15 roads that needs to be fixed yeah. urgently <laughs> yeah <laughs> Don't, if anyone don't, from Main Roads or the City of Sterling's listening, don't go there with your work trailer loaded with materials and expect to get out at peak hour. No, as, as I've found out, it's, it's, a, it's but it's a great. I mean, yeah. look, great business, and yeah, they're right, right there. You can't miss them there on uh, Scarborough Road, Osborne Park. Hey, we're going to have to take a short break here, but we'll be back with more from Phil Morley right after this. Episode 112 of the Talk and Power podcast on 88.5 FM and iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever, you, and YouTube as well. I always forget to plug YouTube. We're on YouTube. That's right. Yeah, there's yeah. stuff on YouTube. And there's going to be a lot more. As I said, there's going to be a lot more. Some more of my emails um, with uh, Brendan's help. Um, of course, you can check out Brendan's stuff because race car. Um, lots coming out from lots Brendan. coming out. And again, I keep plugging every episode. I'm get, we're getting there. He and I are up to a lot more very shortly. Okay. So there'll be a lot more on the Talk and Power banner and on the Big Cause Race Car banner. Some of it will be about the Speed Event Series okay. because um, I'm going to get out there and get my bum back into a seat and see how the Evo goes. So yeah. I'm not sure about the Albany weekend. That's to be confirmed. But definitely the July weekend looks good for me and... Yeah, definitely not quality. I might try and get to that as well with you, Todd, the, <coughs> the, the July weekend. I, I'd like to get out there. Yeah. Collie's not... So, no, you know, Collie, as we said before, not to repeat ourselves over and over again, but it's not that far. Not nah, that far. It's from two hours. Um, I think Anna Char, if if you don't want to stay in town, I think Anna charges $10 a night for camping. Um, there's full facilities, there's toilets, there's showers, um, there's a bunk room. And like I said, everyone, everyone's there, everyone's social, everyone's friendly. Mm. Barbecues and... Part of the experience of Collie, just to add, I stayed there for, a, I think, a sped event series once or twice and a couple of all fours days back in the day. It's actually part of an experience staying at the track, especially when it's cold, because Collie gets, <laughs> Collie gets cold, okay? Let's just, yeah. Collie, July, if you're going to go, even spectate, take 14 jumpers and three umbrellas. You're going to need it, all right? Oh, but yeah, that's it. I love Collie. It's a magnificent part of the world. I love Collie. Yeah, it's but... Um, and... <laughs> Just a plug for the Collie Town, like the amount of stuff they got going on now with all those mu- the mural walk and the yeah. damn wall, and and again uh, that'd be an event that we'd love to have back. Is so we used to use um, Wellington Dam. We used to start on the damn wall, that's right, and yeah. run off the damn wall up through to the upper the car park. Mm. It was a brilliant hill climb. Again, that just got lost in politics and cams and water corp and but yeah. So what what the series has lost is phenomenal over the last couple of years mm. like um, Meelup Beach Hill Climb that's the same so Meelup Beach in Dunsborough we used to start in the car park there in whale season so there'd be whales in the bay 
and you'd run up out of the uh, out of there onto the up to the top of the meal up beach hill yeah and things like that but, yeah, and what just, was the one oh, south um but uh, i'll say buoyant up but not buoyant up uh keys keysbrook yes thank you keysbrook i don't so, reminiscing again sorry but so uh, keys keysbrook was another one and that was super fast and that was um so just before pinjara um, yeah. i left that so before um the aluminum refinery there as well oh yeah used to turn left and um that one was lost because um cars backfiring scared the farmer's cows <laughs> yeah. the, the farmer protested to ever to the council about his cows being scared because of cars with anti-lag and all the rest of it so yeah it does it doesn't take a lot to lose an event as we noticed with the airport but yeah that that was lost because the same thing noise complaints and anti-lag and mm. screamer pipes and things like that so yeah you do have to be kind of respectful in what you do with your cars as well mm. yeah that's right in in proper motorsport environment um, obviously you can people do whatever they want when they drive around the streets and drive around the hills at night which i hear very regularly <laughs> um but yeah when once you turn up the events there are things where you're required to meet noise noise regulations and stuff like that as well yeah. so moving forward then i guess the question begs like have we it, it sounds to me and, and ross and david ross tapper David Smith do a magnificent job getting Targa in WA across the line. But are we seeing a phasing out then of the use of on-road tarmac events? Yeah, sadly, I think it, I think it will happen in the next couple of years, hmm. um, sadly. Um, we are, uh, Smithy, Ross and myself are talking to um, Harveyshire at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, they're quite active in trying to get something going as well, whether it comes off. Um, not 100% sure yet but we're in very early stages of working with them because they want to do something similar to like what Bunbury does down there so yeah so I guess then that goes back to the government uh, and local state and federal governments all, all three tiers in pushing them in in incentivizing or, or building of smaller community race tracks instead yep. yeah yeah so you know we we're seeing what's happening in Albany. That's obviously uh, you know a great thing. Yeah, that, that yeah. that's very very close to getting final final kickoffs. Mm. Um, I heard recently they had to do another environmental study because of one complaint. Yep. Um, yep. But it, but it it had pretty much passed everything so far, and then some guy objected, and it had to go back and get done again by someone else. But they're very very confident of getting that signed off. Um, I did read recently that um, Keysbrook had met all their environmental requirements too. So hopefully we might start hearing some more from those guys at Keysbrook in the next couple of years mm-hmm. about that event, um, about that circuit out there. Yeah. So we're not we're not talking like world facility, you know, world world status sort of facilities. We're talking about grassroots sort yeah. of motorsport yeah. facilities. Yeah. Think, where think, things like the drive train centre at the airport. Mm. That that's all it needs to be. Um, it's it's an it's a big enough circuit to get people involved. It's technical enough to have some fun. You've got multiple layouts you can run. That's all it needs. It doesn't need to be. I said it doesn't need to have grandstands and all the rest of the crap that people are, be, are proposing because mm. um, that just makes them unattainable to get funding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's there's quite a few of them over east. Um, you've got Ludnam Raceway. You've got Heathcote Park. I've got one. Um, there's a couple in Queensland as well popping up as well, which they just they've got the backing of the local shires, 
they're privately funded, but the shires are willing to stick it off because the shires are seeing that it's going to bring people to their regions. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing, isn't it? It's like it's about that's what it's all about is bringing people to the regions. Yeah, as well. yeah that's right. And that's been the popularity, I think, of Targa West as well is like bringing people to to Bindoon, to sorry, uh, to to go to J. Yeah, to J. Um, Merrillville Towns, yep. all those places yep. as well. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Phil. I think we're seeing a push for events to be at sanctioned racetracks. Yeah. And we're seeing this push a, away from public roads. And again, it's, again, it's just got to be insurance that's doing it. Yeah. Um, it's just too hard to insure an event. Yeah. People, yeah. people don't want to see box curbs. They don't want to see light poles. They don't want to see any of that kind of stuff in an event because it's just one more thing someone can hit. Mm. Yeah. Yep, yep. No, certainly, certainly. In the meantime, is go catch out, go check out the Speed Event Series WA Facebook page. Yep. Go check out the Speed Event Series website. Speedeventseries.org. Yep. Um... Have a look at the calendar coming up. If you think you want to come have a go, do it. Do it now. Yeah, jump jump in. Yeah. Um, like I said, we're, we're quite act- we're more active on Facebook than we are on the website, which is our own doing. Um, we do need to concentrate more on the website as well. Yeah. But fl- flick any of us a message. There's four of us who are admins on there, and we'll all, we'll all get back to you as soon as we can. But throw any questions at us. We're happy to help you. Happy to help you get in and get started. Yeah, and uh, yeah, bring out what you've got. And I mean, and the main thing, of course, is. Be safe. I think I say that all all the time when I talk about motorsport. Be safe. I've learnt this the the hard way. Be safe. Not a big accident, but uh, enough that I didn't test something properly and cost me a couple hundred dollars to fix. And there's plenty of guys who are competitors who are also um, MA scrutineers. So if you do have a question, someone's always there, or we can direct you in the way of a scrutineer to say. Who, who, what do I need to do? Who do I need to speak to? That's an important question I forgot to ask, actually. So, <laughs> yeah, in terms of... So some of your competitors are actually MA scrutineers. Yes. Motorsport yeah. Australia. That's awesome. That's, I mean, the moment... So, look, I mean, if anyone is listening out there, I mean, what what better series to get involved in where you have Motorsport Australia sanctioned officials that can scrutiny your vehicle as well? I mean, they're certainly going to tell you what's right and what's what's not, yeah. you know. And so that that's a that's a huge. I, I didn't. That's one of the questions I've been meaning to ask. And I slipped <laughs> my mind. So the other one I've been meaning to ask, and it won't slip my mind. Sponsors as well. Tell us. We actually, like I said, this year we because we took over so late, we didn't get any sponsors yep. sorted out. Um, we are putting a sponsorship package together for next year, so we're running we're running sponsors this year. Um, I, I do have a commitment from a couple of guys who have said they are willing to sponsor us. I just don't feel right oh, going, okay. going no, to them enough. going to them mid-season saying, can I have X amount of dollars? Mm. And we, we've already had our shirts. We're getting our shirts printed now. So with our sponsorships for next year, we're looking at having um, all their logos on the door stickers, all their logos on the shirts, having stuff made up for events where their logos are going to be at, put their logos on the website. But like I said, we've already we got in too late to do that for mm. this year. Yep. But so I'm putting together a package at the moment where I'm going to approach people and say, this is what you'll get for your sponsorship dollars mm. if you if you jump on board. And hopefully you can negotiate some discounts for registered competitors at those businesses as well. Mm. No, that's awesome. That's really good. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. That is good. All right. Well, Phil, we'll, we'll let you get on 
with the day and uh, we really appreciate you coming in here to the podcast. It's great to have you here. It's great to meet you and uh, look, I wish you all the best with the the um, Speed Event Series and um, yeah, all the best. Thanks for coming in. Right. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for letting me plug the series. Um, it's been a lot of hard work to get where we are and hopefully we're over the hump and can make it grow from this year and next year forwards. No worries. Yeah, no, it's been great having you on, Phil, and I said I'll um, try and be competing or even down at some more events and giving it the plug and getting some photos out for you. And yeah, great. I know people like Barnsley and that will be doing the same. So. Yeah, so we, we, uh, our, our main guys at the moment, Barnsley doesn't get to a lot of events. Um, he, he mainly does the Barbie Yellow stuff just yeah. due to family commitments, but we've got um, Graham J. Howie from Sports Picks and... Um, always forget his name but badger photography yeah oh, yep so shout out to those guys yep. yeah and they're they're the main guys and they they post files from um every event and jump on board and i think graham's only about ten dollars a photo so you get great quality images for dirt cheap mm. those guys are that's a magnificent job of photographers what they do like <laughs> some of those guys sit you know on a corner you know, oh. all day and rain, rain hail shine. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Massive credit to them, and massive credit to any official that does it. Yeah, um, that's yeah, not just the photographers. Mo- motorsport doesn't happen without officials, and the guys that the flagging and that we can't do without them. Um, mm, so yeah, yeah they, no, those guys deserve all the credit. Yeah, no, certainly, certainly. Okay, th- uh, Phil. Thanks for having. Thanks for having coming on, and <laughs> thanks for joining us here on the uh, podcast. We really appreciate it. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.